from Clive Barker's Aberat, Days of Magic, Nights of War. Here is a list of terrible things, the jaws of sharks, of vultures' wings, the rabid bite of the dogs of war, the voice of one who went before, but most of all, the mirror's gaze, which counts us out our numbered days. This is Gothic. Here we are, assembled one more dark and stormy summer night for the Gothic podcast. Oh, wait, no, it's bright and sunny out, and it's going to be yeah. 100 degrees in two days. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's, it's great. It's wonderful. So, so I've been reading some of the, um, uh, you know, rules. Oh, uh, we finally. have I, I know it's been, <laughs> we've been doing this for now, what, seven months um, and thought I might just read some of the rules finally. No, I've, of course, looked over these, but uh, so uh, some of the uh, keeper principles in Monster of the Week are put horror in everyday situations. So I understand, Nathan, uh, that you have some tiny T-Rexes running around in your backyard. Oh, yes. And they, they might be stalking you right this second. They are looking through the window at me. It's kind of creepy. How many chickens do you have now? Uh, we have 13 hens and one rooster. And you haven't lost any of yours yet, right? I have not, actually. We've been very, we've been very fortunate. Yeah, my roommate and I just went uh, 40 minutes today to uh, get replacement chickens for hours that have been uh, taken by the horrors from above. <laughs> the horrors from the bushes. The bushes. I can't say the bushes. bushes. The bushes. The bushes. <laughs> the bushes. <laughs> So on the trail cam that I bought, we've captured um, pictures of a coyote, or is it a chupacabra? I'm putting horror in everyday <laughs> situations. Love it. <laughs> coyotes are creepy enough. JK, I love coyotes. Love you, coyotes. Yeah. They were just howling again last night, or barking. Um, yeah. Yippee. Doing that thing that they do. Yep, yep, yep. Yep, yep, yep. I love how, like, you can always tell when somebody didn't go- grow up around coyotes or doesn't live around coyotes, because when they talk about coyotes howling and they go, ooh, and it's like, all right, y- you don't know how coyotes actually howl, right. do you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, and it says right here under Keeper uh, Principles, be a fan of the hunters. Yeah! Yeah, Patrick. Go, go hunters, go! You're legally obligated. <laughs> oh, but it also says everything, everything is everything. a threat. <laughs> Everything is a threat, but I love you guys. So it's been a while since we've been with the Gothic then characters. Uh, when last we left them, they were in the heart of uh, Castle Kane, trying to find their way into its depths, where they hoped to confront the Dweller and perhaps even destroy it. Or, you know, at least have some sort of friendly conversation. <laughs> Not quite sure what the plan is there. But much damage had been taken in combat with suits of armor and a crocodile man, the, the man, man croc. Crocs, that's right. <laughs> yeah. And so, unfortunately, Grace Moreau was quite injured. And so, Lori 
went and attempted to lay on hands, but, rolling horribly, managed to take all of Grace Moreau's pain into themselves and only heal a little bit of the wounds that they had tried to heal. Meanwhile, further down the corridor, Mr. Chauncey Candlewick had encountered a possessed werewolf, the one called Silence, and had managed to banish the possession from Silence, but in the doing of, managed to make her human again. And at the same time, or shortly thereafter, a shadowy figure appeared from down the hallway, dimly illuminated in moonlight, and it is Graf. Graf! 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 <laughs> Lazarus Kane's servant, the tall, menacing Graf. A tall, menacing tall, Graf. Tall, um, but not bulky. He is dressed in very natty clothes. He's wearing a, a pretty nice jacket that looks just like the one that Mr. Oh. Chauncey Candlewick wore <laughs> when he first came into Castle Kane. Oh, my God. Awesome. Oh, this asshole. Just blatantly asshole. stealing his clothes. Like it wasn't his hat. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine Graf mm-hmm. with that hat? <laughs> uh, so that is where we pick things up. Uh, Lori is actually... On the, on the ground, ground. Um, writhing in pain, uh, trying to get a handle on that. Not unconscious, I don't believe. Grace Moreau, what do you do? I can't recall if I already tried healing Lori. Do you guys remember if I tried that? You did not. With my little papers, my Listerine papers. Right. Yeah, you did not. I am going to rip off like three of them and stuff them into Lori's mouth. <laughs> Nine. Yes. Nine. So nine is good. You shove one of the pieces of paper into uh, Lori's mouth. It sizzles away. Lori, you get uh, one harm back. Still at four. Still unstable. Uh, (sighs) Did you want to roll for those second and third strips there? Uh, That one was also a nine. (laughs) Same numbers, different dice. (laughs) Now, for those nines, though, there is a glitch. The effect is weakened. The effect is of short duration. You take one harm, ignore armor. The magic draws immediate unwelcome attention. It has a problematic side effect. Hmm. Problematic side effect would be interesting. <laughs> it Always is. Always the fun one. Because it's so vague. All right. You want to go ahead and roll for the third one? Oh, uh, yeah. That is a 11. Oh, yeah, oh my. Nice. So that one works without a glitch. <laughs> I'm also going to say that, uh, you know, just for fun here, um, that to shove all three of these in without uh, something uh, bad happening, uh, you should probably also act under pressure. Oh, good. Okay. I'm just piling on the rolls here at the beginning of this episode. You always make me roll so many cool, and none of my characters are cool. See, I just rolled a five. Nah, (laughs) under pressure. Under pressure. Grace Moreau, you reached into your your uh, bag and you pulled out uh, just this handful of these strips and just shoved them all into um, Lori's mouth. You were just really panicked at seeing this really being that uh, you've just seen do all these astonishing, amazing things laid low, yeah. trying to help you. And this has really rocked you. And so you just shove these in. It's only after you've done so that you realize that those were your last ones. Oh, shoot. Oh, I was afraid of that. 
Uh, so while that's going on, let's go down to Chauncey Kendowick, uh, who is with uh, Silence. Uh, she is leaning on you. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is still naked and covered in gore from having um, ripped herself out. Well, actually, you ripped her out of the wolf body when you cast the possession out of her earlier, mm-hmm. a few moments ago. Only I had a coat to drape over. <laughs> you glance back over your shoulder and you see only maybe 10 feet away or so, Graf appear out of the darkness. Oh. Wearing your jacket. <laughs> Point my little gloved finger at him. And, uh, you know, that that coat just isn't your style, old man. <laughs> uh, what do you say you uh, be a deer and give it, to, uh, give it to the lady here? That would be manipulate someone, which you can do to a, a uh, creature because you are a dark negotiator. So many roles so soon. Okay. Uh, manipulate, and that is charm. I always forget. Okay. That is an eight. You'll say... Oh, yes, I would love... No, wait, what's his voice? (laughs) Yes, I would love to give your friend your coat here, sir. Um, But I must also insist that once you are in the house, you must take off your hat. Uh, (laughs) That just won't do, old boy. (laughs) That seems a weird impasse. Uh, Well, if you won't do the gentleman thing, what is it that you want? I am here to make your stay at Castle Kane as comfortable as possible. Oh, you're already failing at that, sir. At that, there's a growl from behind him. Ooh. And one death, the yeah. big black wolf, uh, he leaps forward uh, out, of, out of those shadows, too. All you see, because he's coming out of the darkness behind Graf, is uh, there's the shining of the of teeth and the glint of his eyes and then he is on graph just like just crashes into a, a graph from behind but graph doesn't go down he grabs one death and wrenches him around and as he does so he pulls him apart <laughs> but what happens as he pulls him apart is the wolf body goes one direction and the human body that is uh, actually you know one death's human form goes the other both smash into walls on either side and slide down unconscious well the the wolf part is just a pelt but the human part is um, is unconscious and Graf does turns back around and he doesn't even break stride and and he says and to make your stay most comfortable, I believe you should rest. This butler just ripped a werewolf in half. I'm very unhappy about it. Come with me to your resting chambers. And he holds out a hand. The long rest. Oh. You know, I'm half, I'm half tempted just to go with him. Yeah. <laughs> can I see my companions from where I'm at? Yeah, if you glance back, you can see them. They are uh, 20 or 30 feet away. I'm going to talk to this this fiend. Before I agree here or there, where is your master, Graf? Master Kane is indisposed at the moment. He is in conference, sir. Silence. How's she doing? Stunned, but coming back to herself slowly. But it hasn't been that long. Uh, While Chauncey Candlewick is considering how best to negotiate with uh, Graf, the servant, 
uh, Lori, you're starting to feel better and better. Yeah, that puts me at two. So does that bring me back to stable as well? You're back to being okay, although you are still suffering from intense pain. All right. Because you are still at one harm or more, uh, I'm going to give you minus one ongoing. How out of it am I? Do I need to assess my situation? Yeah, okay. Let me assess my situation. You can do so. Um, You can see what's going on around you. You see Mr. Chauncey Candlewick has, in fact, uh, kind of pushed silence behind him, which puts her toward you guys. And he is now facing off against uh, the much these two thin, tall, thin figures, but Graf is still taller than um, than Chauncey. And they are faced off, apparently in conversation, about uh, articles of etiquette. Grace is kneeling next to you. You assess your pains, and you are able to start getting them under control a little bit better, but they're still, they're still enough to make you a little bit not quite all there. Do I notice the altercation between Graf and the wolf with one death? That was kind of violent, and it was sudden, but you would have been able to see that. It it may feel almost like a hallucination or a dream to you, but yeah. Okay. Then I am going to go with, I notice the danger. I want to protect Silver and back up Chauncey. So I'm, I'm on the move. I'm like, Grace, we've got to help. Roll act under pressure. Oh. Seven. Okay. Here's the thing. The magic of the healing strips that, uh, of the healing Listerine <laughs> that um, Grace Moreau just put into your, into your mouth uh, have caused your own innate magics to conflict with this human magic that is now interacting with your okay. system. It's going to be a little problematic here for a little bit. And so when you um, start heading that way, uh, here's your choices of things oh that might happen. I love choices. <laughs> First of all, your angel wing fires off. So <laughs> you either teleport well beyond them <laughs> down the hallway, or you teleport back into town, <laughs> or you teleport somewhere randomly inside of the castle. Oh, man. Uh, well beyond them. Okay, you angel wing, there's the smell of cardboard and lace. (laughs) (laughs) You reappear uh, much further beyond. This is apparently a really long hallway, and in fact, uh, it it seems like it's too long, even for the vastness of Castle Kane. As far as having a straight hallway, this would have to be a really, really long one. So something's not right, but you are still in the same hallway. You can look back and see them, but you materialize amid some um, rubble and such and kind of stumble over that. Also, you're far enough down now that uh, you do see the end of this hallway and where it goes to a T intersection. And from around the corner of that, you hear growls and uh, yips and tearing and hellfire. And it's pretty clear that the um, remaining werewolves are in battle with probably the hellhounds just around the corner. Grace. 
I was going for a Quirus when the armor attacked us. You managed to crawl over to it and, and put it on, and then um, yeah. and then Lori came over and healed you for another harm. Can I also pick up the, uh, the big sword that the other armor was using and have that as well? Certainly. And then I'm going to start stumping off down the hallway towards... And Lori just disappeared. You don't know if they evaporated or uh, what. Yeah, so what's what's going on in Grace's head is like, all right, don't know what happened to Lori. You know, they may be fine and they might be not fine, but wherever they went, uh, I can't reach them right now. So line of sight, Chauncey and this defenseless naked woman, and I'm going to go down towards them with my brand new big sword. Grace, you start, uh, I'd say you charge down, but you're still far too injured. It's more like you're dragging the sword uh, behind you on the uh, ground. It's clanking. I've got my point low, you know. It's okay, the point's already broken off. And you're ragged and tattered clothes, and and you've got the cuirass on, covered in blood and sweat and probably some moss from the <laughs> from the uh crocodile moat. guys i feel bad chauncey uh what are you what are you trying to accomplish here what's your what's your goal just to keep him talking or all right so i'm worried about the people who uh who are hurt who are human obviously human angel boy's gone sure whatever that's normal uh, grace is is, is chug-a-lugging up here but really what i want to i'm trying to figure out is it worth my time, really, to keep this guy trying to keep this guy talking? Is it worth my time to acquiesce to his demands, or you know, or should I just launch myself onto the offensive, or et cetera, et cetera? I'm wondering here. Yeah, you, I mean, you're looking for information on him, like going through the the rolodex of your brain, mm-hmm. um, searching through, trying to figure out if this is just some guy that's really tall, although you just seen him rip apart a werewolf mm-hmm. not rip apart as in tear them apart but do what you guys have been doing essentially which was turn them from werewolf to human again which is why i'm not really really willing at this point to take him head on so you've seen him use great strength you have seen him apparently also use magic uh, because he kind of did both those things at once. There's also his uh, appearance and everything, and so you can be flicking through your brain trying to figure that out, but I'd call that investigate a mystery oh, okay, sure. rather than read a bad situation. Sure, sure, yeah. It's for sharp, and mm-hmm. that is a 10. Nice. Hmm. Hold two. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> um... Okay, so first off, I just want to know, I want to know what I'm up against. What sort of creature is it? Uh, he takes another step forward and, and holds his hand out somehow even more, both threateningly and as a, you know, servant might to guide your way, the direction that he wants you to go. He is pretty pale, though. His hair did get a little bit ruffled there when he was fighting with, very briefly fighting with the werewolf one death. Uh, and so he reaches up. And he has very long bangs in the front. It looks really weird. And (laughs) he kind of brushes them back into place. But before he does so, you see a symbol on his forehead. You realize that this is no human servant. This is Gollum. Not Gollum. Not Gollum. (laughs) Gollum. Mm, Eggses. Does it have eggses in its pocket? But a Gollum. It is spelled differently. Just yeah, it is spelled differently. This is the G-O-L-E-M Gollum. 
Hmm. Man, he took my coat. All the coats to take. And the asshole put it on. Okay. He is very rude. Chauncey would know uh, this since he knows that it is a golem. Mm -hmm. That uh, golems are created creatures. That they are made of clay or some other substance and given uh, life by their creator right. uh, to be servants and to... Uh, a lot of them are actually used for doing menial labor because they're very, very strong. So it being a golem, would that give it access to magic that it just did? Or is that something something separate? Uh, would you like to ask another question oh, from yes, your investigative mystery? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Would that be what can it do, maybe? Oh, God, I want to know what to hurt it, but... Uh, yeah, what can hurt it. Uh, but I also want to know what it can it can do. So, you know what? You know, I don't care what it can do. It's either going to kill me or lock me up or whatever. Uh, what can hurt it? In all of the classic stories about golems that you have heard, that symbol on its forehead means life. And there is a an addition you can make to that uh. that uh, will change the meaning of that ancient ancient symbol that Chauncey realizes can be changed from meaning life to meaning death with just a one simple mark really. Ooh, okay that's that's not too bad that's not an Achilles heel or anything right <laughs> all right well uh, I guess uh I'm going gonna, gonna to let out a little pearly white smile at the sight of its uh, tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I want to make sure it knows I saw it. All right. He says, your hat, sir. Uh, my coat, please. As I've already said, sir, I will exchange the one for the other. You should, of course, wear a jacket to dinner, but you should not wear a hat in the castle, sir. You don't seem to understand, Graf. I want my coat with your corpse in it. <laughs> well, I, w- I was going to elbow you and remind you that as there is no roof over our heads right now, we're not technically in the castle. So by the rules of etiquette, you're perfectly adequate in wearing your hat since we are technically outside. I know. I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dress him and be all like, I don't talk to thieving servants. <laughs> Very well, sir. I will have to take your hat from you. Ah! <laughs> With that, he takes another step forward and... Can I can I pull Silence by the elbow away from the action? Yeah, so Grace, you can have, I mean, gotten pretty close. And yeah, as you see this uh, uh, transaction going down as um, Graf and Chauncey argue over who's going to wear a plot <laughs> and whose corpse is going to be in which item no, of clothing. No, you change. I'll show me yours if you show me mine You can pull uh, Silence away I see that she, you know, Chauncey's no longer in a position to be standing there protecting her Because he's about to be slapped by this man who ripped a werewolf in half So I'm going (laughs) to kind of tug her behind me instead (laughs) Chauncey, you go flying against a wall Uh, You take two harm I like this guy Hold on. I, I don't have armor. I don't have armor. Yeah, I just have immortality. Right, so that's one. So you only take one harm. Kaboom! Ouch! That slam against the wall does shock you a little bit. So you have a minus one forward. So for, just for your next roll. But your hat stays on. 
I want to go to Lori. I look down to one end of the hall where the, ho- where the wolves are howling and battling and screaming, and I look up to the other end, and I see Chauncey get thrown against the wall. Chauncey, Whee! do you have a handle of that? Because we could really use some help down here. I'm going to look at Grace. Does it look like we have this together? Do you need help? There are two of us on this thing. I should... We have a very angry butler here. But listen, Patrick is nodding, and I'm really uncomfortable with this butler. <laughs> All right. How? I don't know how many wolves are down at the end of the hallway. I will rush back to melee with the butler then. Huzzah. Uh, your questions are also indicating to me that you want to read a bad situation. So roll it. Uh, five. <laughs> That's a five. Oh my. Five is so hard because, like, you can't even help. That's, that's <laughs> with my negative one ongoing. Oh, Lord. As you are about to turn and go back to aid Chauncey and Grace, because Chauncey just got slammed into a wall. You don't know how well or badly he took that, but Grace looks still pretty bad. And she has that sword and looks like she's obviously going to throw herself into battle again, although she has pulled the werewolf silence uh, away from the conflict a little bit. Just then, though, your angel wings kick in. I love it. And we need an act under pressure. This is a, this is a funny mechanic, and I'm really enjoying it. <laughs> okay, well, that's at least an eight. So with a negative one ongoing, that's a seven. Here are the things that might happen. Dear God. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to give you some carryovers here. You angel wing into town, probably next to someone you know, either Nathan Redbone or Isabella. You angel wing once more into the convocation of angels <sighs> in their in their rose-petaled heights, or you appear somewhere randomly in the castle. Oh no. You're good. You're good, Patrick. You always make me hate my choices. You're good. I'm a fan of the player. Keep um, telling yourself that. Oh, wow. I'm going to go with somewhere deeper into the castle. I thought about going to the angels and being like, no, let's try and bring down all of heaven down upon this dweller. But I'm going to go with the... yeah. I'm going to go with somewhere in the castle. If nothing else, it would have healed you. Oh. (laughs) I forgot about that effect. That would have been helpful. You, Lori, turn to just rush back and help the others. And there is the smell of cardamom and patchouli and cardboard (laughs) and lace. And the slight afterimage of wings as you disappear once more. Lori! And you reappear. Or do I? I'm I'm Schrodinger's <laughs> angel. <laughs> <laughs> you reappear in a room you've never been in, but it smells musty and damp. The floor is uh, stone in some places, but dirt in others. In the center of the room is a well. Oh, not this room. From the well, icker-dripping tentacles wave around, and in front of the well stands Lazarus King. <laughs> Would I also recognize what 
um, this marking meant on Graf's forehead. Well, would you? I don't know. Maybe. Uh, my sect has... Because he has uh, pushed his uh, bangs back over the symbol. You were probably too far away to have seen it where you were. Then I'll, uh, I guess, lift the tip of my sword and get into a fighting stance and just... I'm mostly intending to get to defend um, Silence because I'm I'm going to, I think, let Chauncey take the lead on this one because he seems a little more impassioned about the uh, theft of his coat and uh, just kind of intend to be like, thus far and no further. Silence. Uh, leans in and says, where is my pelt? Well, I, I don't know. Um, Chauncey, where's her pelt? <laughs> I was like, her damn pelt's over here. I want to point to the mess, the gory mess. From where Chauncey just slid down a wall and is now sitting. You came out of that room? Is it in that room that you just left? Chauncey did point to a pile of uh, a pile of pelts, but it is at this point because of the way that they had been moving up toward uh, you and Lori, Grace. Uh, that pelt is now behind Graf. I've got, I've got, I've got a plan. I think it's behind the spooky, the spooky butler, dear. Um, can, can you wield a flail? Are you familiar with it? Um, I don't know. How about a sword? Would you feel more comfortable? It's you can uh, just make chopping motions. It'll be fine. It's very heavy. It'll do most of the work itself. I would rather be in my true form. Yes, I understand that. But unless you feel like you can dart past this monster. Uh, you you may have to stand with us for a moment. Distract him. Hmm. That I can do. <laughs> Graf has actually turned a bit toward uh, Chauncey right then. All right. And goes, your hat, sir. I'm going to go stand in front of Chauncey. Essentially protecting someone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trying to, you know, draw attention so to you're, myself. So you're really trying to protect both Chauncey here and Silence because you're trying to give her her opportunity. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Would it be act under pressure? I think act under pressure because that gives you some options that you'll have to choose from. Oh, good. That's great. <laughs> you just love making us act under pressure, don't you? I do. Well. It's very good for radio. You got your wish because that's a five. Well, that's not choices. That's failure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's great. It's wonderful. You start toward... Chauncey to get between Chauncey and uh, Graf in order to both kind of try to protect him because you don't know how badly he was injured in being slammed up against the wall, but your leg gives out underneath you. <sighs> His attention's kind of on Chauncey, but just as Silence does this thing where she like leaps forward, kind of running for a couple of steps and then hits the wall and scrambles along the wall for about Parkour. two foot and hand step, yeah, doing some parkour, <laughs> the stuff that Grace said that she wouldn't be doing this time, but and it's not, it's silence. Uh, but just then, uh, uh, Grace's leg gives out underneath her, and she hits the floor on one knee, and the clattering of the, of the sword against the, the stone, and Graf's head turns just as silence is darting past him, and he just reaches out and just slams her into the wall. <sighs> Oh, no. And her, you hear her skull crack against the stone, and she falls limp to the ground. Damn it. Damn it. Enough of this. You are guests in the house of my master. Funny way of showing it. You will come with me. And he reaches out and he just grabs Chauncey and Grace by the essentially scruffs of your necks. And turns and starts dragging you down the hall. Oh, gosh. You better believe Grace is struggling. I should hope. 
Yes. Not going quietly into this whatever the fuck this is. At the same time, two hellhounds, one really badly injured, uh, whole back end of him, the uh, back hip is uh, busted up and he's kind of dragging that back leg, uh, come around the corner at the end, uh, snorting fire so that you can see their shadows cast up on the walls with each burst and their blackened maws lit up momentarily by each fireball. Before he gets to them, though, he kicks open a door and beyond it are stairs, and he starts dragging you down those stairs, and then the hellhounds come padding right after. What would you like to do, Chauncey? I'm going to to turn to Grace so she understands the full measure of what's about to happen here. I was like, the creature here is a golem. It bears the alchemical sign for life on its forehead. If it's changed to death, it will drop dead. I'm going to do the fun part. I need you to do the hard part. <laughs> I want to do some magic. Right before you uh, can cast your use magic, though, he says, be quiet, and like, re- like just um, shakes you up and down, uh, kind of like uh, Hulk does to um, Loki <laughs> in, uh, oh, God. <laughs> in the Avengers. <laughs> so I got, I got a question for you there, Mr. Patrick. When it says summon a monster into the world, what is the definition of a monster? Bring the moat guy. <laughs> Drop the moat guy on Graf's head. <laughs> that kind of depends on what you end up rolling for your use magic roll and what the glitches are. What if you summoned a monster that was already in the world and just like brought one of the head hellhounds over? I was, just, I was thinking about dragging angels into this. What I want to do, now I got hellhounds behind me though, that sucks. I want to I wanna bind them. I want to trap them. Nice. I got damn hellhounds behind me. They might rip us to pieces. Hmm. One's pretty badly injured. The other one is actually also injured. It has rips on its flank. I want to try to mobilize him and give Grace a chance to change that symbol on his head. But I don't know if this is the best time to try to do that. Maybe we should wait. We should wait our moment and hope that Angel Boy actually like pulls through. So what are you going to do, Grace, during this? Uh, so Chauncey has just told you these things. Oh, what? What does the what does the death symbol look like? And then Chauncey goes flapping around as uh, <laughs> as Graf just shakes him from floor to ceiling. Stop that! Your hospitality is abominable. Does the Barbazine know of life and death symbols when it comes to those kind of magics? That's a great question. I'm not going to make you roll investigate a mystery on this one. Um, I'm just going to ask you. Uh, so Grace, do you feel that uh, Grace would know this? Hmm. You know, I feel like. I feel like the Barbazine have been kind of obsessed with, like, stories about ritual magic and stuff like uh, magical items and tokens and things. And, uh, you know, now that I think about it, it actually makes sense that they would have at least had references to golems and, um, uh, you know, maybe collected histories about golems and things like that. So Yeah, your magic is all based on things, on storing the magic inside of... Of other objects that make perfect sense to me so uh yeah sure so yeah let's say uh you know maybe none of the barbazines has ever encountered one before but i don't know maybe but uh i feel like you would find these things in a book yeah i think grace would know this sure um but i'm not sure that she would know the she knows that the symbol has to be turned from uh life to death but i'm not sure that she would know exactly how to do that like what yeah. the word is besides the fact that he's not going to let me walk up and change the symbols on his head um hmm i have a thing on a nice long chain could i try 
and sheath the sword, take out my flail, and try and uh, loop him around the neck and try and pull him down. Uh, Flails tend not to have that long of a chain. This is true. But... I am very close to him, though. I can see kind of what you're trying to do here. So I I think with some modifications that 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 could theoretically happen. Maybe instead of trying to pull him down, like trying to be behind him with his neck in my chain. Try and get him in a, a, a grapple kind of situation. Yeah. Act under pressure. You just love making me act under pressure. It's a... Oh, it's a six. Chauncey, help me out! I guess I could help her out by flailing. Knock him off balance! I'll, I'll try. Why not? What? You, well, what are you thinking you might be able to do to help this? I'd want to try to get his attention. Um, probably... I have unholy strength. I probably would just try to box the crap out of this guy and start <laughs> flailing around. If I might, I mean, you are being tossed, I mean, like up and down. How about if you grabbed a hold of the ceiling? Oh, yeah, that would do I would it. try to do that. I would, I, he is strong. I am also strong. <laughs> so what are you going to try to do? Uh, anchor myself in place, whether on the ceiling, on the wall, whatever. And basically... Uh, and grab a hold of that hand that he's that's holding me. Pull him in a different direction. Okay. So I shall do this on a cool, and I got that's six. Ah. Mark experience. <laughs> okay. Goodness. So, um, Chauncey tries to uh, get some support. He tries to <laughs> grab uh, the wall or the ceiling or anything, and he has this immense strength. He gets a hold of this big chunk of ceiling, and it just brings down like several big chunks of rock and stonework out of the ceiling. Bits and pieces of this uh, hit you, Grace, and uh, one big chunk. So one harm from that to Grace and to Chauncey. Uh, That is not armor defeating. However, it does cause Grace to uh, pass out uh, since she is already uh, terribly injured. And so both of her weapons, the flail and the sword, drop from her limp hands. No, I sheathed the sword. Please let me keep something. (laughs) (laughs) And Chauncey. No, I want to keep my sword. I tried. And uh, Chauncey, your hat is not (gasps) off. That is not good. Oh. That's not good at all. Then he just keeps dragging you down whoa, the stairs. Whoa, 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 no, whoa, no, 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 no. Okay, down to Lori. Oh boy. Um, okay. Um Lazarus. I should have expected. Now, how do we stop this? Or would you rather die now? Lazarus came rises up two feet off of the floor as one of the tentacles that is embedded into his back lifts him up. And the voice that comes out of Lazarus Cain's mouth when that mouth opens is not Lazarus Cain's. It is something bigger and darker and older and much, much meaner. And it says, Glory of the angels, come down from the heavens. What did you do, Lori of the angels, to find yourself here on earth? 
<laughs> From my understandings of where we are now, it seems like we're not actually on Earth. So, shall we rumble? You cannot fight me, Lori of the Angels. You don't have what you need. Not even your pretty little whip. No, you need something more nasty than that, don't you? And with that, one of Lazarus Cain's arms, like, flops around. It sort of makes a symbol in the air, and your your razor whip goes flying across the room. God damn it! <laughs> no, the coolest weapon in the whole campaign. <laughs> I know, right? Like, that weapon is so sweet. <laughs> Am I going on the right track by having an inkling of what uh, this creature is talking about? You can suspicion whatever you like. Hmm. <laughs> Um, or you can roll investigate a mystery <laughs> and ask uh, what can hurt it. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, that's good. <laughs> Seven. <laughs> What's your question? Damn, I always loved that one, but because of what it said I needed, what can hurt it? If it's the spear, I will smack you. <laughs> What can hurt something that is so terribly, terribly demonic like this? Something so terribly unearthly? Something that could match and knows the angels of heaven? Yeah. It'd be the fall of heaven, the spear. Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> What'd you do with that, buddy? I have plenty in my chest. <laughs> well, what did you do with it? Because it was in your chest. <laughs> <laughs> the door to this room, which is this old warped thing that uh, is more or less uh, half the time frozen into its place because of the damp. It smashes open and Graf walks in, dragging behind him the unconscious form of Grace Moreau and the hatless form of Chauncey Candlewick. Lori, what do you do? How much do I realize the difference in Chauncey without the hat? Because Lori doesn't quite understand. Grace has an inkling, but Lori doesn't really have an understanding of what's going on with the hat. I'm wondering how much Lori knows. Right. Chauncey looks weird without the hat because he always is wearing it. I mean, do you? Because early on, there was no indication that there's been prior knowledge. Of the hat, no. The only thing that I have with Chauncey is that... He was an abomination and should be destroyed, and I can't for some reason. I stabbed him with the with the goddamn fall of heaven. Goddamn spear! And he's still here. So there's got to be a reason, and I wonder if Lori at this point understands that maybe the hat has a connection, his demonic past, something to do with uh, the fall of heaven, the spear, and how I can reclaim that to try and, if I understand what's going on, use it to kill this beast. Okay. Investigate a mystery. I thought so. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. Always sharp. Oh, yay. That's a 10 even with the negative one. Nice. Nice. Yeah, that's how I feel about cool. I'm literally always rolling cool. It's like... 
<laughs> Next character I make is gonna have the best cool. Ever. Yeah. I don't know, I like having the tough. I will say that. Damn it. I wish there was something like, how do I get it? What's being concealed here? When you see Graf drag Chauncey into the room, you feel a flicker of hope because you were very concerned there that you were going to be torn apart by this thing before you ever had the chance to destroy it um, using something you thought you had put behind you a long time ago. The spear, the fall of heaven, that terrible length of metal and magic that can somehow eradicate angel and demon alike. But you also know that it took both light and dark, both angel and demon, to put it away where it was hidden from, uh, from everyone, including yourselves. You couldn't risk Chauncey or someone like him ever getting a hold of the fall of heaven again. And you couldn't risk you having it either, Lori. Or any other angel for that matter. It had to be something that would have to be done by both the devilish and the angelic. But then your soul sinks a little bit because you realize that Chauncey's not wearing his hat. <laughs> and you put the fall of heaven in the hat. <laughs> So, Lori of the Angels, will you submit to me and embrace the darkness? Lori of the Angels, coming to the darkness. Quiet! Hold on. I think I forgot something. <laughs> uh, um... I'm gonna. I'm actually going to uh, attempt an angel wing to Chauncey's hat. If it is, Ooh. if it is a creature, person, demon, something, then I can angel wing to something, somebody I know. Okay, go ahead and uh, roll act under pressure because okay. that's how we're having to do it here in the castle. And of course, from we're still glitching from the uh, healing that you took earlier. Uh, nine. <laughs> Not, not the 10 that I wanted, but it's a 9. Okay, so you angel wing either out into town, to the convocation of angels, or into the moat. Go for those angels. Do it! No, because they want to destroy me, because I let an abomination like you live. Well, hey, so you're working on it, you know, it's a long-term project, you know, you've, got, you've, had to, you've had to delegate a little bit to make sure, you know, all the pieces come uh, together. Oh, oh, Lori, I'm, I'm sorry, the angels don't want to uh, destroy you, they want you to tell them where the fall of heaven is. Oh, yeah, no, that's not happening. To the moat! Uh, so you appear above the moat, um, several feet, and uh, Lori, then you drop into the moat with a big splash. I love it. As uh, and and bubbles start moving toward you from from uh, the murk, several dozen yards away. And back in the room, Grace begins to regain consciousness. Uh, she just passed out for a few moments there. And the hellhounds pad into the room, one of whom is wearing Chauncey's hat. <laughs> of course. 
And we're going to see where all of this goes next time on the Gothic Podcast. (laughs) In the town of Bloodson, beneath a sky that bears too many moons, the slim form of a young woman hurries from shadow to shadow. She glances over her shoulder when she hears the howl of wolves, or things that pretend on certain nights to be wolves, and she shivers. She has the sudden urge to touch the object in her purse again. Her hand reaches for it automatically. The pen is a comfort. This place, this place, filled with so many terrifying things, and now she is alone in it. The feel of the cool, ornately ornamented metal does indeed give her comfort and strength, not the nearly blissful confidence she feels when she writes in her journal with it, even on those rare occasions when she is wakened from a dream and found herself scribbling nonsense upon the wall of her boarding room. But enough. She nods to herself. She has a job to do. She has to rouse the town against the horrors to come. Isabella clutches the pen tighter and evaluates the surrounding buildings. Who should she go to first? Who will everyone else believe in when they might not believe in a stranger such as herself? Oh, if only she hadn't been separated from Nathan Redbone when he went to lure away the wolfmen who were loping through the streets as if that were something every day and normal. She hopes that he is safe, but is not so naive as to believe it. A dim light shining through a small window in the church draws her attention. The priest, or deacon, or whatever he is, Athicus Harvey, she knows him by sight from Sunday services. Of course, he will believe in demons, and he will know how to make the townspeople believe, too. Isabella rushes across the dangerously open spans of street to the front of the church. The mass of the building looms above her. Its stones are ancient beyond anything else in the old, old town, matching, perhaps, the age of Castle Cain itself. A set of broad stone steps, steep, lead up to a massive set of double doors banded with iron and heavy enough to be fortification. The stained glass windows flanking the recessed doorway are high up on the stone wall, tall and narrow. Light flickers behind them, casting kaleidoscope colors out into the night. Isabella represses another sudden shiver, and her hand wavers as it touches the cold brass handles of the door. But what could harm her here? This is a church, a holy place, sacred, protected from the ravishments of damned things. Drawing a deep breath, the woman, little more than a girl really, pushes open the portal and steps inside. The nave of the venerable church is lofty and echoing, its heights and its walls devoured by shadow, the pews in their neat rows empty, but somehow exuding the hint, the sense of occupation, echoes from a thousand thousand days of worship. The light comes from the dais at the front of the church. There, two huge lamps hang on thick chains that leak down out of the darkness above, The lamps each bear a candle the size of Isabella's stretched throat, their fitful light partially dulled by soot-stained panes of bubbled glass. The priest, Harvey, sits upon a step of the dais, leaning idly back against the altar. He flips through a large, heavy book, but looks up as Isabella enters. "'A terrible night for a young girl to be out so late,' he says." He does not stand, and Isabella shivers again, but forces herself to hurry up the aisles between the pews. Father, Isabella says, more terrible than you know. There are things out there. We've got to warn the people. 
Still, Harvey doesn't stand. Instead, he sets the book on the platform next to him and pats it. This is what you've come for, isn't it? No, I... But Isabella pauses. The book. Is it? Howard Love mentioned you had asked about it. You have the pin, don't you? Before she can stop herself, Isabella's hand goes to the pouch at her waist. I... She jerks her fingers away, but sees it is already too late. The priest picks up the book again, and now he stands. Dear girl, you know not what you have gotten yourself into this night. What? For tonight, Lazarus Cain rises, ascendant. Uh, Lord Cain, Isabella stammers, Lord Cain is dead. We, we saw it. The thing in, the thing, it killed him. The priest shakes his head. Lazarus Cain shall never die, sweet child. I am Barbazine, you see. Not that that will mean aught to you, but I have read the oldest lore, the eldest prophecies. There has never been one such as Cain before. He shall wield power beyond the power of dreaming, beyond creation itself. He pauses. And those who serve him will have the world bow at their feet. You're a priest, Isabella shouts. It's the only thing she can think to say. Harvey shrugs. I am a man, but soon I will be more than a man. Cain just needs... The silence is heavy as the priest looks down, then back up. Sacrifices. Isabella turns to run, but the heavy doors at the back of the nave slam shut with a sound of finality. When she turns back to the priest, she sees he has picked up a long curved knife from the surface of the altar. No, she whispers. The right sacrifices, that is... Harvey says, and the man who would serve a god advances. The Gothic Podcast is produced by C. Patrick Nagel with theme music by Zoe Hovland and cover artwork by Jared George Art. Listen to The Gothic Podcast on Podbean or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow The Gothic Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, or email us at thegothicpodcast at gmail.com. Support for the Gothic Podcast comes from you, our listeners, so please visit our Patreon page. Thanks.